Maybe before we go further, we could bow our heads in a word of prayer. Holy God, the one in whom we just sang about, this afternoon we come into your presence and we just invite you here, Father. We know that you are here. You're all present, but we want a special invitation for your presence in our hearts, Father, that our hearts will be open and receptive for what you have to bring to us today. Father, we are so grateful that you have given us your word, that we don't have to try to figure out life on our own. You've given us a trusted word that you've, we've heard about already today. May we trust it. May we honor it. And above all, may we honor you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good afternoon, greet each one of you. This afternoon in the name of Jesus, the one who we want to honor. Last night we spoke about honoring God. And as you'll see as we go through these honor messages, as we talk about honoring various levels of authority, as we honor the authority, honor goes to God. And keep that in mind, as we honor our authorities, honor goes to God. And the converse is true. When we dishonor our authority, we also dishonor God. Let's keep that in the back of our minds as we go through these messages. Tonight we're to talk about honoring our father and mother. And for a scripture reference, there's many, there's several. We'll first of all look at Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. To begin with, if you'll find that scripture there, it's one that's familiar. It says simply, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. That's the scripture we'll base our message from. Story I read about a Christian merchant who was a very poor boy and had risen to wealth and renown. And he was once asked by a, a good friend to what he attributed under God, what he attributed his success to. And this was his reply. He said, to prompt and steady obedience to my parents in the midst of many bad examples of youth my own age I was always able to yield a ready submission to the will of my father and mother, and I firmly believe that a blessing has, in consequence, rested upon me and upon all my efforts. What a tremendous testimony of that young man. I think this story illustrates of how we can be successful in life. Not thinking materially successful necessarily, but how we can be prosperous spiritually as men and women in the communities in which we serve. Again, just looking at the definition of honor again, it means to esteem, to set value upon. It means a high respect given to another. Those are the words that describe honor. Just think of the word weight again. We mentioned that last night, that, that honor means weighty, it's heavy. When we honor someone, we, we, put, we 
esteem them with value. They're, they're weighty. They're valuable. We also find in this verse in uh, Ephesians 6 was actually taken from Deuteronomy 5.16, which basically says the same thing. But it's the fifth commandment out of, out of the Ten Commandments. It's number five. And it just says the same thing. Honor thy father and mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that, thou, that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And he says this is the first commandment given with a promise. Did you hear the promise? There's a promise encapsulated in this verse. And it says that it may go well with thee, that you will live long upon the earth. There's a blessing there. We want to think about what that means. This is the only commandment that has such a promise attached to it. And we'll find there's a reason for that. I believe the honor in the family is foundational to all the other commandments. You can look at the rest of those Ten Commandments and you'll find that honor, our parents, is really foundational because if we truly give them godly honor, won't we obey the other nine? Think about that. You obey your parents. You honor them. You will honor God. You won't take His name in vain. You'll keep the Sabbath holy. You won't lie. You won't steal. You won't cheat. You'll keep all the others. That's why honor is foundational of all the other Ten Commandments. What happens? What happens in a society when honor to parents is missing? We all know what happens. It degenerates. That's what we see happening today in America. In our country, we see the family crumbling. Because there's no honor to parents. There is no organization. There is no church. There is no company. There is no organism that can last very long without honor of its authorities that are placed over it. And in this case, we're thinking about the family honoring the authority over the children, which is the parents. I think that he's saying here that honor was to parents was crucial to the success of the family. And think about what happens when a family begins to crumble. If you go back into the Hebrew uh, times and, and to the Old Testament, a father and a son was well aware what would happen if the son did not honor the father? You all probably remember what that was. You remember what it is? What happened if there was a rebellious son? He did not honor and respect his parents. What did the father have to do? He had to stone him. Don't you think that would have been a high motivation? Both for the son, but also for the parents. They would not have been very casual in the teaching of their children if they knew if he turned out to be a rebellious son, he would have to be taken out and stoned. So we need to think about how that's why God put so much emphasis, and that's why I think he attached that little promise at the end of it. 
It's just kind of a little bait, isn't it? It's like saying, you obey your parents, here's a promise. But he knew what he was wanting to keep them from. It was from the crumbling of the family structure. I want to talk about six different reasons why we need to honor our parents. Six reasons. And the first one is, we've already kind of touched on it, it's commanded by God. God commands that we honor our parents. We've read that, and it says it's the first commandment with a promise. Who is speaking here? As we heard this morning from Brother Mark, it's the Word of God. This is God telling you, honor your father and your mother. It's commanded by God. What's commanded by God puts us under obligation. It's no longer optional. It's an obligation that we have to honor because it's commanded by God. Another thing we'll find is that this honor is not age-specific. There's no place in the Scripture where it says, you just honor until you're, until you're 12 or 16 or, or 18 or until you're married. We'll talk about that later. Honor goes on all the way until their death, and even then we can still honor them when they're gone. We alluded to this earlier, but how we honor our parents is reflective of how we honor God, isn't it? It makes sense. So if we struggle honoring our parents and we are disrespecting them, then basically what we're doing is we're dishonoring and disrespecting God also. God designed the home for preparation. And that's why there's conflict in a home. If I was to ask any of you or all of you today, have you ever had conflict in your home? And I'm sure that you would say yes. It wouldn't be a, a normal functioning home if there wasn't some conflict. I think every head would nod and say, yeah, I had some conflict in my home. But you know what conflict in the home does? It prepares us for the real world. It teaches us how to solve problems, how to respect authorities. We've got to learn, first of all, to respect our parents' authority before we'll ever learn how to respect our, our civil authorities and our church authorities. All the other the authorities that we confront in life all begin learning to honor and respect our home authorities. Someone, I like this quote, said, home is where the real clothes are worn. The real clothes are worn at home. We may go to young folks, we may go to a gathering, and, and it's not the real clothes. It's not the real person, anyway, inside. But at home, it's the real us. And that's where we learn how to work together and how to honor. It's the school, so to speak, of honor. Is at home. It all begins there. The Bible illustrates a negative view of honor. I'm just going to give one verse. It's Proverbs 30.11. And this is certainly a verse that... that applies to us today, not to you necessarily, but in the, in the culture in which we live. Proverbs 30.11 says, There's a generation that curses their father and doth not, doth not bless their mother. This is a generation that's disrespectful to their parents. And so what I think we find here is how we treat our parents, how we respect our parents is an indication of how we're going to respect our fellow men. It's a very good indicator of how we'll respect others later. 
What about honoring our parents when we don't feel they deserve it? Now, I've met lots of young people over the last several years who have really struggled honoring a father or a mother. I remember one young man, he hated, I mean hated his parents, his mother especially, with a passion. He hated her. And it's, it's, it's a tremendous break in a relationship. Now I realize probably none of you have that, that kind of a hatred toward a parent. But maybe there's something in your relationship with them that is causing you to be disrespectful or have feelings of disrespect toward them. But what the Bible is asking you and me to do today is asking us to honor the person. Honor the person for one reason, because of their position. Who placed them in the position that they're in? God did, right? God put them there. So we honor them because of their position, not always because they're so maybe uh, loving and so, so kind and respectful to us. Sometimes it's quite contrary to that. May have an angry father, may have an abusive father or mother. We still are called to honor them because of the position. I want to say here, I don't know how big of a struggle this is with any of you, but sometimes we'll have a father or a mother that is very difficult to get along with. And you have no idea sometimes the pain and the agony, the struggles that your father went through growing up. You have no idea unless he's told you, which he probably hasn't. You have no idea what he's gone through or what she's gone through. And what happens is if, if we're, we grow up in that environment and, and, and we react to it, what, and, and we may decide, I'll never want to be like my dad, I'll never be like him or my mother, only to find ourselves a few years later to be just like them. Because what we've done is we've taken their, their negative features and focused on them. And then we, by having that, that subconscious focus, we carry that right into our own parenting. So just remember, we never know what they may have went through, what failures, what struggles. And if we're not careful, we can repeat them as much as we vow we never will. We can repeat them. But I want you to think of a couple questions if you struggle with that. One of them is, am I going to pass on this negative respect uh, to my children? Is it going to come out in the next generation? If I don't deal with it now, it will. It likely will. I can deal with it now. The other question is, am I going to release it? Am I going to respect them anyway? for their position, even though there may be some major challenges. You know, I had to think about an example. We'll talk more about civil authorities later. But, you know, we honor a policeman not because we necessarily like them. When he pulls us over, it's not because we're in love with him that we want to honor him. No, matter of fact, it might be quite the contrary. We, we may be kind of aggravated we got pulled over. But we honor him because of his position. And we know very good and well, if we don't honor him and we disrespect him, 
we might find ourselves in the back seat of his car with a free ride. So that's why we're commanded to respect our authorities for their position. Number two, we're going to move on. It's taught by Jesus. I want to um, invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 7. And I want to read just a few verses here. I'm going to read, hmm, let's see, Mark 7. For the sake of time, I'm going to start in at verse 6. <clears throat> and it says this. He says, um, He answered and said unto them, Well hath Esaias, Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites. It is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold to the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things as ye do. And he said unto them, Full well, ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father of God of none effect through your traditions which ye have delivered, and many such things ye do. There's a lesson here. I think there's a lesson that we can learn from here. Let's look at verse, uh, at verse 10 again. This is the commandment of, of, of Moses. Moses told uh, the people to honor their father and mother, and whoever cursed them would die. I think he's referring to, to honoring them all through the various stages of life that they would grow through. And what these Pharisees were doing were finding a way to get around the law. Let me, let me try to explain it this way. So they were commanded to honor their father, which meant to care for them even into their old age. And so they found a way, they, if they could say, it is Corban. I'm going to read a different version of what it says. It says, but if you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that means it's a gift. It's already given to God. In other words, I already gave it to God, so I don't have to give it to you. You see, they found a way around it. Then he's freed from the law of Moses by their own traditions. Do you understand what the, what the situation is here? They were finding a way to get around honoring their father and their mother so they didn't have to pull it out of their pocket and take care of them in their older years. But there's a couple lessons here that I think apply to us. And one of them is this, is it saying that we're a Christian and yet honoring our parents is like talking out of both sides of our mouth, isn't it? If, if we say we honor them, and but we disrespect them, it's almost like saying, it's Corbin, I don't have to, I found a way around it. It's hypocrisy. 
This is what Jesus was condemning these people for, was hypocrisy. So if we're a follower of Christ, we're required to honor them. And to say I'm a follower, I'm a Christian, and to disrespect our parents is hypocrisy. That's one lesson that I get out of that. The other one is, of course, is, is as parents age, they will need care. They need people to take care of them. They need assistance. And I think that we live in a, in a time today when, when, and I don't believe this is so much a, a problem in the church, but we see it all the time in the world. Maybe there's tendencies in the church too where we can get around it. Put them in a rest home. And I'm not saying there's not a time to do that. But we need to care for them as long as we can. That's commanded by God. We'll see that maybe a little bit later on. But I think it's important to realize, and maybe Mark would know more about this than I do, but I think, I believe in many Eastern cultures <clears throat> that, that children care for their parents. They honor their parents. The father is often looked up to as, as the chief, as, a, as almost like the king of the family. Is that right, Mark? <clears throat> and, and so they respect him. And when they get old, they bring him into their home and they care for them. They do the best they can. And it's so different in our society today. We want independence. We want our freedom. We want, when we retire, we want to be able to travel and, and do this and that. But I think he's saying here, we need to remember our responsibility to honor our parents. And that may look like a long way off for, for you young people. But believe me, it comes much quicker than we think. <clears throat> so, we, number two is it's taught by Jesus. Number three is it brings God pleasure. Honoring our parents brings pleasure to God. It brings joy into his heart when you honor them, especially when the going gets tough, when it's not easy to honor them. Colossians 3.20 says this, says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Well-pleasing. It means it's acceptable. It means it's agreeable. It means it makes God smile when he sees us honoring our parents. It's just kind of like when, when a family's getting along together and there's family harmony, it makes the parents smile. Doesn't it, parents? That when our children are getting along and, and working well together, it makes us, makes us happy, makes us, makes us pleased, well-pleasing. And I think it brings harmony, brings harmony into a family when we're honoring and respecting our parents. Harmony is beautiful. It's beautiful music. We enjoy harmony as we're singing together. Harmony is also beautiful in a family. Number four is, <clears throat> of the six reasons, is it, it offers longevity and quality of life. Longevity and quality of life. Now, it might be a surprise I say that because we know that sometimes the young die, die young. But nevertheless, it's a promise. And, and let's look at the promise here for a moment. Again, <clears throat> he says, we honor them. And here's the promise that it may be well with thee, that they may live long on the earth. And Deuteronomy says basically the same thing, that your days may be prolonged that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then there's also a proverb, Proverbs 4.10. Proverbs 4, verse 10 says this, Hear, O my son, receive my sayings, 
and the years of thy life shall be many. The years of thy life shall be many. What does this mean? <clears throat> does this mean that if I honor my parents, I'm guaranteed flat out a long, happy, trouble-free life? No. We know it doesn't mean that. But I think that the principle is true. The principle is true. We're going to enjoy the blessing of God. As long as we're honoring our parents, we're going to experience that continued blessing. I think there's some natural blessings that come along with this. I think that the young man that honors his father and his father counsels him not to drink, not to smoke, not to hang out with wrong friends, and he heeds that counsel, there's a natural consequence, a natural blessing, so to speak, that's going to go along with that. I've known many young men that, are no, that grew up with uh, peers my own age that are no longer living because they were wild. One of them I remember took off on a motorcycle and, and it was just a wild youth. Took off and, and flew down the road and, and went straight around a corner and slammed into a fence post head on, killed him. I could tell story after story of young people and, and you older ones know people like this. That, that were rebellious. They didn't hear the counsel of their parents, and that was a natural consequence. But anyway, how many young people do you know that are just running? They're running from God. They're running from their parents. And I don't believe that's any one of you, but I think I just want to caution you. We want to make sure that we're under the subjection of our parents. I want to give you an illustration about sometimes running, and if you're in a home and sometimes you feel like you're running, like maybe you just can't quite please them or, or, or there's just trouble, I want to give you a little bit of a lesson about a round pin in training horses. When you train a horse, we start him in a round pin, and the, the trainer stands in the middle and the horse runs around the outside. The horse is looking for an escape. It's kind of like a young teenager. Have you ever kind of looked for an escape sometimes? Like, oh, how can I get away from this authority? Well, these horses do the same thing. They're looking for a way of escape. And so, but they're an animal flight. And so they run around and run around. And the trainer stands there in the center and puts up his hand and turns the horse. And the horse runs the other way and runs this way for a bit and changes him again. He runs the other direction back and forth. And what is this teaching the horse? It's trying to get the horse's attention to the trainer, to listen. And when the trainer finally sees that the horse is beginning to tire and perhaps he's interested, his will's becoming broken, he's willing to be subjected to his master, then he stops. And it's a beautiful thing. He always gives me chills running down my back when this happens. Because you can stop and that horse will look at you and you'll begin to chew a little bit. That means he's relaxed. And you can stretch out your hand and walk over to him. And that same horse that was running away from you will now follow you like a puppy. And you can just walk wherever you want to around the corral. And just walk around just with a kind of like a fake lead rope. Nothing hooked up to him. And he'll just follow you. You see, sometimes God has us in the round pen. We're running around, running around, running away from things. And all we need to do is stop and submit to the authority that God has placed us under with, placed us underneath. So disobedience, dishonor will always leave us running in circles. Running in circles, running away, 
trying to find our independence. Instead of just like a horse that's well-trained, he's resting. He's waiting for use. He's waiting to be put to work. That's the picture that we want to be under authority. And that leads us to the next uh, reason to honor is just the protection. I've alluded to this earlier, but there's a tremendous protection of being under authority. I like to think of honor like a chain. Honor like a chain. You ever thought about that? There's a proverb that says, Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Now that doesn't sound very comfortable, does it? Who would want to walk around with a chain around their neck? Or an ornament of grace? But let me explain to you what those, what those could be like. I remember hearing a story about a young man one time that, that had left home, maybe in his late teen years, and, and he got about a thousand miles away from home, and he was enticed to do some things with some friends that he knew wasn't right. And he felt this chain. He felt his dad's counsel. He could almost hear his dad's words speaking to him. Son, remember. My son, don't forget. That's what the, the chain about his neck was. It, it was a reminder of him. Reminder to him of his dad's or his mother's wise counsel. It also says it's likened into an ornament of grace. Round about thy neck, an ornament of grace. I think that's something beautiful. But what these ornaments are, they're reminders. The reminders of who we are. The reminders of the Word of God that is entrusted into our heart by our parents. A couple more Proverbs. Proverbs 6, 20. I looked up to see how many times it's in the Proverbs that says, My son. There's 25 times. If you want to know how to please God, how to please your Father, just... Look up those little words in here. If you have a computer or whatever, my son. And there's 25 of, of the Proverbs that will start out that way. It's counsel to you, young ladies, and you, young men, and to all of us. My son, Proverbs 6.20, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually about thy heart. Here it is again. Tie them around your neck. When thou goest, it will lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou wakest, it will talk with thee. This is a beautiful thing of obedience and subjection to our parents. Let me explain. He says that when, when you go us, it will lead thee. I think he's saying here is that, that it will lead us in the right direction. It's kind of like that pillar of cloud that led the children of Israel all across the wilderness. It went before them. I think that's what he's saying is these counsels will lead us in the right direction. It will lead us. Not only that, that when we sleep, it will keep us. It will keep us when we sleep. I think it means it's going to give us protection and peaceful rest. We can lay down at night rather than being out where we shouldn't be. It will give us rest and peaceful sleep. And it also says when you awake, it will give you direction. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It will give us direction when we're awake. That means when we get up in the morning... And we start to get dressed, we start to go out to work, whatever we do, that means it's going to give us direction of where we're headed, where we're going. Number six, I want to mention briefly, is this. 
is the law of the harvest is sure. Just remember that what you sow, you're going to reap. That's one of the sure laws of the harvest. I realize God's a redeemer of our failures, and some of us were not so good when we were young, and God redeemed us. But without repentance, and I've often seen this happen even to, to, to other men that, you know, that were, were rebellious in their teen years, and then they get to having a family of their own, and for some reason they've got a rebellious son. I just think it's a reminder. God sometimes blesses us in a perhaps a, a hidden way with some of the trouble that we caused our parents. He sometimes sends that to our own home and makes us realize perhaps the law of the harvest. But again, God is a redeemer of our failures. I don't want to say that, that that's a blanket statement, but I just think we need to remember that the harvest is sure. We want to sow respect and honor. Now I want to think about three hindrances to honor. Three things that can hinder honor. Number one is pride. Pride is one of the reasons why we will not, and I think we can use the word honor and respect interchangeably to some degree. They have different meanings, but let's, let's think about how oftentimes pride is such a hindrance to our family harmony working together as a family. There's another proverb that says, Proverbs 30, 17, says, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. That's a picture of a proud young man. He's despising his father, disobeying his father and his mother. Proverbs 29, 23 says a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Did you hear that? Hum humility will up, excuse me. Man's pride will bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So that means if we're humble, if we have a humble spirit, honor will uphold us. We'll be upheld by honor. Honor will not be so difficult if we're humble. Does that make sense? Doesn't it? If we're humble, it's easy to honor people. Just, we'll talk about that on the, in the workplace later on another day. But anyway, pride is a major stumbling block to every relationship. It's a major stumbling block in our, your interpersonal relationships now. It's a stumbling block in marriage. It's a stumbling block at work. It's a stumbling block at church. Pride is a stumbling block to relationships. But oftentimes, pride comes out in a sense that it will not admit wrong. In the context of a family, oftentimes pride is where we just don't want to admit we were wrong. We just don't want to say, I'm sorry. We want to justify ourselves instead. Number two is selfishness. Selfishness. This is kind of the attitude that I kind of have my rights, dad or mom. Who are you to tell me what to do? I'm 16 or I'm 18. And I might say this, as long as you're in the home, I don't care if you're 19 or 21 or 25. If you're in the home, you're under his authority. You're under their authority. And God requires you to obey and honor them. 
When you leave the home and you're out on your own and you have a family of your own, it's different. We'll maybe mention that later. But for now, selfishness is a major hindrance and it comes out of a spirit of entitlement. Like, I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to a cell phone or I'm entitled to the internet. I'm entitled to a car. Whatever, whatever it is that's, that you feel like you want that you can't have. It's a spirit of selfishness entitlement. You owe it to me. That's the world we live in, and I trust that isn't necessarily the spirit of any of you. Another one is independence. Independence. And another proverb says, Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame shall come to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof will be what? Honored. Honored. Sorry about it. It'll be honored. Yes, he'll be wise too. Indeed he will. Very wise. But he will be honored. God made us totally dependent. When we're little babies and we're carried home from the hospital, we're totally dependent on our parents, aren't we? And then we get a little bit older and pretty soon we can walk by ourselves and we got a little independence and, and now we can walk and then we can talk. And, and as we get a little older, we get a little bit more independent. And the problem comes, I think this is a, a challenge in in our culture today is independence comes way too early. We have kids now that they want a cell phone at 10 years old. Used to be 18 or when you got married. Now it's 10 or so. I mean, I've heard of six, seven year olds. I mean, I'm just saying that is that independence comes so early. God made us with the desire to be independent. If we didn't, We'd be just glad to hang on to mama's apron strings all the rest of our life. But God made us so that we would grow into independence and we'd have families of our own. The problem comes when we try to get that independence too soon, too early. There's a time for independence and it grows naturally from the word of God as we learn honoring and subjecting our parents. And our parents often know they know when we're ready for things if we'll just honor them and ask them and respect them. <clears throat> I want to move on. I need to think about five practical ways to honor your parents. Five practical ways to honor them. I'll give you the list first. I think there's five. I have four down here, but I'll give you four anyway. There's probably a fifth one somewhere. One of them is obedience. The second one is reverence. The third one is communication. And the fourth one is by choices. The fifth one's probably hiding out here, lurking somewhere. We'll see. Let's think about honoring by obedience. I know maybe we've touched on this a little bit already. But want to establish this, first of all, our allegiance is to God. Let's, let's understand that, first of all. Our allegiance is to God. And I... I remember I heard the testimony of, of um, Brother Dan that spoke about, you know, in, in his setting, he grew up where, where his parents were, were from a different, different faith and he wanted to make some choices on his own. And there's a time, I'm sure he still honors his parents. He honors them for their position and who they are. But he doesn't obey them. He's chosen a, a, the, the, the true Christian faith. And there's a time that that people have to make that choice. It happens all the time, I'm sure, overseas and in other parts of the world. It happens here in America, too. Jesus just said this. He says, if a man will come after me 
and hate not or mean love less his father and mother and, and so on. He can't be my disciple. So there's a point where we have to, like Peter says, we got to obey God rather than man. There's a time that people have to make that decision and choice. For most of us, we can do both. We can obey God and we can obey man too. So, obedient children, we already mentioned this perhaps, but are rewarded with spiritual prosperity. Maybe I didn't say it quite that way, but they're rewarded with prosperity, success, but it's primarily spiritual. But the other thing I want to think about, maybe we talked about this a little bit last night, but honor without obedience is lip service. Jesus condemned that. He said that that's what the Pharisees did. They were just, they were hypocrites. Honor without obedience is incomplete. It's just lip service. In Mark, Jesus says something similar to that. Mark 7, he says, he answered and said unto them, I guess we already read this. Uh, well hath he sayest, the prophesied of you, you hypocrites, it's ri written, these people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Heart is far from me. I think there's two different attitudes that are required for obedience. Two different attitudes. Two potential attitudes. One of them is good. The other one is not so good. One of them is cheerful obedience. Cheerful obedience is just simply obeying without grumbling. Obeying without complaining and, and, and whining about it. That's cheerful obedience. The other one is forced obedience. And so we can say, well, I'm obeying my father and mother. I'm doing what he told me to or she told me to. But I'm not doing it out of a heart of respect and love. That's forced obedience. Does that please God? Absolutely not. It doesn't please him. I remember the story. You probably heard the, about the little boy who was, after he was threatened with a spanking and he was told to sit down and he said, well, I'm, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And that's forced obedience. He wasn't obeying at all. He was complying. There's a difference, I think, between complying and obedience. We want obedience from the heart. Obedience from the heart is the one that brings glory to God, not just compliance from the heart. Jesus gives this story about two, um, two sons, in Matthew 21, he says, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I will go, sir. And he went not. Whether the twain did the will of his father. And they said unto him, The first. The first. I think it's, it's saying it's representing two different groups of people. You have the Pharisees on one side who professed that they were obeying, and you had the publicans on the other side who were outcasts, but they repented, repented and obeyed God. Those were the ones that were blessed. I have down three blessings of obedience. I have down again, it protects us from physical harm. I already talked about that one. The other one is, I wanna mention, it builds a positive relationship. You may not be happy with your relationship with your parents, wherever it's at now. I don't know. I don't know what, a lot about your families.
But obedience will bring, will bring a positive relationship with you and your parents if you can submit and obey them. And another one is, is just, I think obedience leads to happiness. It leads to joy, doesn't it? When we're obedient, it just, it, there's a blessing that comes along with it. It just leads, us, leads to, to happiness. And I think happiness, you might say, is a byproduct of obedience. It's something that comes out of obeying from a heart of love. So we're thinking of these practical ways, five practical ways. The second one is reverence, reverencing them, which just simply is, is talking about respecting them, respecting them as authorities. And as I mentioned that earlier, how we grow in independence, so we want more and more independence. But with that dire desire for independence too young, what comes is sometimes restriction. Restriction of our independence. Restrictions of our freedoms. And that's where oftentimes the conflict comes between us and our parents, is when we feel that restriction. Sometimes it feels suffocating to us. But it can bring us into conflict. But I think we need to remember that after we're truly converted, after we're converted and we've given our life to Christ, we need to relate to parents differently than we did before conversion. Isn't that right? Now, perhaps before you were converted, maybe you were just this good little obedient child. I know I wasn't. But I think that's what he's saying. That's a Hebrew, that's a message in Ephesians. He, about, he says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then he goes on and he says, but now, but now, we're different, we're saved. And so we want to relate to them different and respect them their authority after we're converted. So as we're thinking about reverence, we want to respect their authority. Number two in this little subsection is we want to affirm their efforts. And I want to appeal to you young people. Listen, please. Affirm the efforts of your parents. Are your parents perfect? No. None of them are perfect. But affirm their efforts. I encourage boys... When I was working with boys, I encouraged them all the time, and affirm them. Tell your parents you appreciate what they're doing. Appreciate them. Proverbs 31 talks about the woman who's honored, and it says that her children will rise up and call her blessed. Call her blessed. Call your mother blessed. Your father blessed. This is what the Bible is saying. We can affirm them. Affirm them by expressing appreciation for what they've done. Sometimes they feel so unappreciated. Children seem like they're always asking, asking for money, asking for the car, and asking and asking and asking. And oftentimes, very little goes back to them to say, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom, for what you've done, what you are doing for us. Parents feel taken advantage of when it's all going out and there's nothing coming back in. It's just our natural inclination. We don't want to keep giving when somebody's taking all the time. So we want to affirm their efforts. Number three is we want to honor their unspoken wishes. Honor their unspoken wishes. Now, you may have a list of rules at home and do's and don'ts that you know what is, is acceptable and what isn't. 
But just because there's no rule, does that mean it's okay? Does that mean it's okay? No. If there's no rule, that means we have to use common sense. Remember we talked about last night? All things may be lawful for me, but all things may not be expedient. Honor their unspoken wishes. And number four in this little subsection is thinking about reverencing them by caring for their needs. Caring for their needs. 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 and 4 say this. Honor widows that are widows indeed. I know this is talking to widows, but look at the context of what all he's saying here. It applies to us. But if any widow has children or nephews, let them first show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Do you know what piety means? To show piety at home, it means to show reverence. What he was saying is that, is that this young man needs to show reverence, or this older man, whatever stage of life he was in, if he had a widow or a parent, he needed to show them reverence at home. But then he goes on to requite. That's the, really the word I want to camp on for a moment. Requite their parents. You know what requite means? Not a word I use, but I don't very often talk about requiting, but it means to pay back, to pay back. You think of the investment that your parents put in you, investment, the financial investment, the emotional investment, the spiritual investment, they're all investments that they pour into you to requite them is to pay back for what they've done for you. <clears throat> we want to also respect their boundaries as we're thinking about re reverencing them. Boundaries are like guardrails. Do we always like guardrails? No, sometimes they obstruct my view. I'm driving down the road and I want to look over there. I can't see over the cliff. I can't see the view. The guardrail's hindering me. But at one time I saw a car going down on a snowy road, and, and uh, this is actually coming down from Clay Elliman, and all of a sudden, the car slammed up against the guardrail, bounced off and slammed back again. Well, it did some damage to the car, but it was just surface damage. But fortunately, there was a guardrail there. Now, the guardrail was for their protection. It protected them, and rules, boundaries, just think of them, young people, as guardrails. If your parents say, don't use your cell phone for this. Don't go to this place. Don't do this. They're guardrails that are there for your protection to keep you safe. To keep you safe and to protect you. Another one I want to mention briefly is to seek their counsel. Seek their counsel. I think this blesses a parent so much when a child or young man or young woman comes to them and says, Dad or Mom, I need your counsel for something. It, it just respects them. It just, it, it's a, such a blessing. I think we live in a very independent society. I think this moves beyond the teen years too. Moves beyond the teen years. Moves into when we're even married. We live in a society that is so independent. And again, if you, I'd, I'd love to hear more from Eastern cultures, but I, I understand a little bit how they work. And as we mentioned, that the father of the home is still respected, still the respected leader. And so the children go to their, their dad even when they're married, and, and they would say, how do I handle this problem, dad? Or how do I deal with this problem, dad? 
You see, there's a multitude of counsel that we can tap into our parents, but oftentimes they don't because, ah, oh, we don't want to bother them. Uh, we can figure it out. But I think there's a lot of counsel there that is available for us to tap into. Perhaps back to pride might be one of the reasons why we don't tap into their wisdom, why we don't ask them. But I'd like you to consider some questions <clears throat> that you could ask your parents. One of them is, what should I look for in a husband and wife? And maybe you've already asked these questions. But you can ask them that question. Long before you're starting even to, um, to start dating or courting, but just start thinking about, what am I to be looking for, Dad or Mom? Maybe ask him another question. How do you feel about this activity? Maybe there's something you want to do, but you're not sure whether it's appropriate or not. Ask them whether it's acceptable or appropriate or not. What about asking, have you ever thought about asking your dad, young men or young women, mother, what are some of the lessons you've learned in life? Just, Dad, would you just tell me, what's the number one lesson you learned about, about courting, about girls, or mom, about men? These are questions that you can ask them, and they'll be glad to tell you more than likely if you'll just ask them, invite their input. What about asking the, a question like, what are your challenges, or what were your challenges with handling money when you were my age? What would you do different? You see the resource that you could tap into by asking the question, what were your major challenges with parenting? As you get older and you have family, uh, children of your own, ask them these questions. Again, many parents are, are hesitant to share until they're asked. <clears throat> Somebody said that uh, dad's a hero at 10, 16, he doesn't know much, 20, he's learning. And by 30, you kind of wonder, where did this wizard come from? You know, it's just like sometimes at, at 16 and 20 years old, we really don't see the wisdom that's there, that's available to us. Well, back to our list of things, five practical ways to obey. Number three is communication. And I can go through these fairly quickly, but communication honors parents. It's a two-way street. We've got to communicate with them. They have to communicate with us. But I think one of the major ways we can communicate with them is letting them know our struggles. We think sometimes we're alone. Oh, Dad probably never struggled with that. Or Mom maybe never struggled with that. But we can ask them. We can communicate with them. And finding out, letting them know our struggles. And they can help us sometimes and counsel us. Just as a side note sometimes, letting them know where we're going. Just, just communication of, you may be leaving with friends, and maybe you're of an age that it doesn't really matter, but some, it does. It means a lot to parents to know your whereabouts, knowing where you're going. Uh, another area is accountability with our struggles. Sometimes dads can be a good accountability partner. I know I was with my sons. Just, just accountability with them. It's a blessing. It can be a tremendous blessing. Part of communication. Number, I see where I got five now because I went from number three to number five. So it wasn't number four. <laughs> number five. 
<clears throat> is good choices, just honoring with good choices. And there's several Proverbs there. Again, I'd like, I encourage you, young people, look up these Proverbs that say a wise son. But here's one. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a heaviness to his mother. And there's several Proverbs that say the same thing. Glad fathers, glad mothers. That's really what we want. Because we know if we have glad fathers and glad mothers, God is going to bless us. Isn't he? Because that means that we've honored them. So making good choices. What a blessing that can be. I think the highest honor that any son or daughter can give their parents is walking in truth. Walking in the truth. That's the highest honor. I just I remember as each one of my children committed their life to Christ. To me, that was the highest honor that they could give me as a parent. And I believe that's one of the highest honors they can give God, is accepting His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to die for them. And I, I like to quote uh, from uh, 3 John, verse 4, says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You want to please your parents? You want to bring them blessing? Walk in truth. Walk in truth. Walk in the truth of God's word that we've heard today. I want to close with a story. The story is about King Louis. And this King Louis of France was taken prisoner many years ago. And he had a young son who was heir to this throne. And this young son was being groomed by the king to be king someday. And, but this, this king, Louis, was taken captive, and I don't remember exactly what happened to him, but he was taken captive, arrested, and led away, and taken off the throne. And his captors thought that they would do all that they could to corrupt this young prince so that he would not if he was heir to the throne, he would corrupt the society. He were trying to, to overthrow the king's justice. And so they took this young son and they, they subjected him to all sorts of immorality, to all sorts of bad things, bad, evil things. I think it was about six months they put him in this environment. This son, he never bent. He never bowed. Kind of like Daniel. He was just steadfast. He didn't, didn't succumb to any of that that he was subjected to. And after this extensive pressure and temptation, they finally called him aside and they asked him this question. They said, why haven't you submitted to these things? These things are pleasurable. We've offered you all kinds of pleasure. Why haven't you succumbed to them? And this is what he said. He says, I cannot do what you ask. For I was born to be a king. And you see, young people, each one of you are born for royalty. God has called you to the highest position that you could ever be as a son of God, as the sons and daughters of God. God has called you for royalty. And that's why we want to obey. That's why we want to honor God.
So I have some questions. You have a handout there that I passed out or had passed out to you. And I'd like you to think about those questions. And, and maybe I'll mention them briefly now, but I want you to think about them in your quiet time. And just pause and, and, and ask yourself, which ones do I struggle the most with? I hope the list you have is the same as mine. I have it on my notes up here. But the first question was, would you say you honor your parents with your lips or your heart? In other words, do you obey because you love them? Do you obey because you respect them? Or do you just simply comply because you have to? Just a good question to ponder. Number two, do you prize your parents even when things are not going your way? Prize, remember, means honor. So when things are tough, the going gets tough and there's conflicts, do you prize them when things aren't going your way? Number three, are you broken and surrendered to their will? Or do you sometimes feel like, feel like you're still running around the round pen, like that horse, just trying to run away, trying to gain his independence? Where are you? Number four, do I affirm my parents or show gratitude for what they do to me? Or do I kind of display sometimes a you-owe-it-to-me attitude? Good question to ponder. Where are you at? Do you affirm them? Do you show gratitude? I'd like to challenge every one of you, when you go home, find something to thank your parents for and to bless them for. Maybe you already do this. Do it in a card. Dear Dad, dear Mom, here's what I want to thank you for. I thank you so much. I know we've had struggles. I know we've had problems. But I thank you for all that you've done, you can mention, you can surely find things to thank them for. Number five, do you honor your parents by seeking their counsel? Tremendous way to honor them, just asking them, Dad, what would you do in this case? Mom, what would you do like in this situation? Number six, how good is your communication with your parents? Do you let them know where you're going? Or do you kind of have the attitude, well, I'm 16 or 18 or, or 22, whatever. I do my own thing. I think if you live in their home, you owe it to them to communicate with them. It's a little different when you're outside the home. Number seven, would you be open to asking them how they handled certain problems in their youth? Finances, purity, relationships? Question. Number eight, do I cheerfully obey their counsel and directions from my parents or do I do it grudgingly? kind of already alluded to that, maybe in another question, but just think about, is it cheerful or is it grudgingly? When I'm asked to do something, I don't like to do. Number nine, do I respectfully let my parents know where I'm going? Maybe I've already mentioned that kind of under communication, but who we're going to be with, that just honors them when we do that. Number 10, I put down, do they have access to my passwords on my phone or my computer? I just want to encourage you, don't be so private with your parents so that they couldn't pick up your phone anytime they wanted to, and they could look at what you're looking at. They could view what you view. There's no secrets between us. Anyway, God bless you as you look at these lists and think about what you struggle with and as you resolve to honor your parents. And as you do, you will resolve to honor God.